0: Uh, You would think that living in the flight path of Edinburgh Airport uh, would mean that my wife and I would avoid TV TV shows like Air Crash Investigation, uh, but we have a strange fascination with it. Uh, It's not quite morbid, but it's not far off. Uh, Air Crash Investigators is all about, it's a docudrama about terrifying air disasters and near misses the kind of program that invites you to join investigators as they probe what went wrong. It's very dramatic. Now, one episode told the story of this pilot who was only 10 minutes out from his destination airport. He was navigating his way down through the clouds and then the clouds didn't disappear. He was in thick fog when he felt a sudden drop in altitude and a violent roll to the right. He scanned his cockpit instruments and immediately reported an instrument's failure. He powered up the engines and stalled three of them. He swung his plane back and forth in an attempt to correct its course. And the black box recorder played back his voice, terrified, saying, I don't know where the ground is. I don't think he was Glaswegian. (laughs) Now, incredibly, that plane in that episode, uh, crash-landed with no fatalities, but only because the co-pilot took control. Investigators discovered that there was no sudden drop in altitude. There was no violent roll to the right. The pilot had imagined it. His senses were so thrown into confusion in the fog because he had no visual reference point. The flight training manual warns of this danger, and the golden rule in that kind of situation is this, don't trust your instincts, trust your instruments. If he had trusted his instruments, he would have guided the plane safely to its destination, and his passengers would have enjoyed a far more peaceful and vomit-free journey than they did. Now, that episode, I think, illustrates for us a tendency, a tendency in every human heart as they walk through life. It's a tendency that's addressed by this father who's teaching his son in Proverbs 3 and us, and he sees in humanity this tendency to think that it's best to rely on your own instincts, A tendency to overrate our own abilities to read a situation and navigate our way through it in life. And a tendency to live, actually, in happy independence of God and his people. But this father writes to his son and to us tonight to warn us that leaning on our own understanding will not make for a peaceful, pleasant journey in life. It will end in disaster. So the father in Proverbs 3 makes basically a threefold appeal. And this is what I want. These are the hooks that I want to give you for tonight. Uh, they, they each begin with my son. Okay, that helps us break up the text a little bit. My son. And in uh, chap, uh, chapter 3 verses 1 to 10, we hear my son, trust in God." Secondly, in verses 11 to 20, my son, welcome his wisdom. And in verses 21 to 35, thirdly, and walk in the company of God. Trust in God, welcome his wisdom, and walk in the company of God. That's what we're looking at tonight. So first of all, verses 1 to 10, trust in God. Look with me at verses 5 to 7 again. Here's the core of this little section. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now, the first question we ask when it comes to verses like this is what does it actually mean to trust the Lord? Well, what I want to argue tonight is that it it involves both renunciation and reliance. So it involves humbly renouncing. Or abandoning our own wisdom and our own understanding. And conversely, it involves relying on someone else's wisdom and understanding. That's what we see in the passage tonight. Um, At the start of summer, uh, we were at a, a campsite and a family holiday where they were offering bike lessons. And our little girl had not been too sure about riding a bike without stabilizers. She thought that a bike should have four wheels. Um, But by her own understanding, in her own little mind, she thought if she rides a bike without these extra two little wheels, she's going to fall over and she's going to hurt herself. That was her comprehension of the situation. The instructor in the campsite, though, was very, very helpful and taught our little girl what would happen if she maintained balance and speed. And our little girl then had to trust her instructor. In effect, she had to renounce her own understanding and comprehension and rely on the understanding and the comprehension and the instruction of this person teaching her. And in no time at all, she was zooming around the park on two wheels. I think the same principle is necessary for us when it comes to trusting God in our daily lives. We must renounce or abandon our own wisdom, our own understanding of life's situations And depend on it entirely on an understanding of who God is, of how He rules His world, of how He wants us to live in the light of who He is. We must renounce our own wisdom and trust in His understanding. And how often have we been in situations where, depending on our own wisdom, relying on our own understanding, we've made mistakes? if there were such a thing as life crash investigators, they would probe our choices, they would point to our lack of knowledge, and show that the disaster perhaps even came down to downright selfishness. No, we are called, though, to rely on wisdom completely. That means basing our decisions on the truths of God's word, accepting these things as true, the fact that life is to be lived In glad dependence on God. That's how we were meant to live, not in happy independence of God. And I think this is particularly true for those who are wondering what it means to be a Christian. Verse 7 shows us what we need to renounce and what we should rely on if that is us tonight. It says that we're to shun evil, Uh, that's what we are to renounce. In other words, turn your back on wicked ways. And when I, when I mention wicked ways, don't automatically think big sins like murder, etc. Think of that evil as living in happy independence of God, thinking I don't really need him. I don't feel the need to have him in my life. That's evil because when we rely on self, it's in defiance of God. But we're to shun evil And we are to fear the Lord. Which basically means humble yourself before his majesty and his awe-inspiring greatness. This is the God of the universe that we are shunning for evil if we do not turn to him. We are to recognize his place as the God of all and as the judge of all. The one who has taken sin so seriously that he would send his son into the world to deal with it, uh, to bear away with it by taking it upon himself on the cross where he was punished for our evil ways and our wicked ways, for our transgressions. Those times, of course, when we have crossed the line into sin. He's the one that we are to rely on. And I want to encourage you to, to think about who God is, to think about what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ there is no other way to safely navigate our way home and live a happy life truly happy life without the Lord so you can think about that, you can speak to us at the end, myself or maybe the person who brought you or you can be happy to have you along at one of our Christianity Explored courses, it's a free course, Uh, you go along for six or seven weeks and you find out all about the core beliefs of Christianity and have a safe place and encouraging place to ask your questions uh, think about this deeply but how do we actually trust in the Lord there's a question we could ask how do we trust in the Lord what does it look like to actually shun evil and fear the Lord well verse one indicates that we come to trust in the Lord through careful learning we come to his word we commit his teaching to memory but it's more than that. We, we guard his instruction. It's almost like we get God's word and we store it up in our heart. And it's like we set up this little army to besiege our hearts. Nothing gets out. We're that careful about guarding what God's word that has been stored up in our hearts. We refuse to let the wisdom of the world or the idols of our hearts or the enemy of our souls rob us of that which is true and that which keeps us on the straight path. Verse 2 tells us that we gain a trust in the Lord through pursuing godliness. It talks about love and faithfulness. Don't let them leave you. Love and faithfulness, of course, are the very identity markers set out by God in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. That's the way he described himself. The Lord, the Lord. Talks about his love and his faithfulness. These identity markers of God's character are to become the marks of our own identity in him and we are to work hard then to internalize these commands of the word of God so that the very character of God is formed in us that's how the trust of the Lord is outworked in our lives but what difference will it make well we will have long life peace favor with God and man you see how it's all described prolong your life many years bring you peace and prosperity verse 4 you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man he will make your path straight verse 6 verse 8 health to your body nourishment to your bones verse 9 your barns will be filled to overflowing your vats will brim over with new wine now some of you will be thinking that sounds a lot like prosperity gospel stuff right some of you but it's not although these are the kinds of verses actually that false teachers i would say would grab hold of to support their views they take these verses almost as as promised do this and you will get this but they make a basic error of interpretation because proverbs contains knowledge and wisdom that is generally true it is a book of wisdom It's like general proverbs that we have in everyday life, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, these things are, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. Or walking will keep you fit. These are proverbial things that people say that are generally true. But let's face it, you're not going to be kept free from sickness and illness just because you eat a Granny Smith every day. I mean, you could choke on one of those things. You know, you could walk along and there you do do your power walking along Prince's Street and sure enough, you get hit by a tram. Um. (laughs) So these things are generally true. So it's not just saying, do this and you'll get this. It's just saying, in general, if you trust in the Lord and walk in his ways, then you're going to, in a general sense, you're going to keep yourself from being immersed in the kind of things that actually do bring death like addiction like aggression and violence like sexual promiscuity all these different things if you you keep yourself from the things that are evil in a general sense you will know the Lord's protection in this way so going back to verses 1 and 10 the general truth that we find in here is that when we deny self and rely on God's we will, in essence, be blessed. God will make our path straight, leveled. When we trust him, he will make our road new and plain and level and safe. And the appeal of the Father is to trust in the Lord. That's point one. Trust in the Lord and the wisdom that he offers. And point two in verses 11 to 20 is welcome, then, his wisdom. Now in verses 11 to 20, wisdom is gained in two ways. One, through correction, and two, by searching. In verses 11 and 12, we see that wisdom wisdom gained through correction breeds assurance in us. Wisdom gained through correction breeds assurance. Now I think verses 11 and 12 are well placed to balance verses 9 and 10, aren't they? Just in case we're thinking along prosperity gospel lines. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. It tells us that sometimes even our walk on the straight path is maintained through correction and rebuke. In other words, through hardship. Now that's, that, that's a timely warning for us in this book of Proverbs, isn't it? When we consider how if we're thinking about self-reliance takes us down the wrong path, self-reliance can lead us into danger. Therefore, it makes sense that God would want to rescue us from that danger, wouldn't it? To keep us safe from it. That's true even in a general sense again Of what our parents would do for us when we were children Think back to when you were a child How many of us could say that we learned more from one rebuke Than we did from ten acts of kindness or, or ten instructions Even though we didn't enjoy being disciplined at the time We are thankful for it And especially so if you're confident of that parent's love because if you're confident of someone's love, you will not resent but accept their rebuke. And this is one of the most precious things that, that the, the father is trying to get across to his son. Trust in the Lord. Welcome his wisdom. Even the wisdom that comes through hardship. Even the wisdom that comes through correction and the discipline of the Lord's welcome it because it's an indication that God loves you and God absolutely delights in you this of course picks up this fantastic passage in Hebrews 12 which says endure hardship as discipline quotes these verses right before it God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it that's what he's up to his rebuke his correction comes from a heart of love heart of love where he seeks for us our best and to prepare us for heaven with him the lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in because he loves us he corrects us maybe you're going through some kind of hardship just now maybe god is disciplining you in some sense by a weight of conviction maybe the weightiness of that conviction is intended to draw you out of a sin which is careering you down the path of disaster would you heed his correction and not resent it? Because he loves you. And he delights in you. That's why the appeal for us is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He loves you. Welcome his wisdom. He loves you and he delights in you. So don't resent it. And don't reject it. Wisdom is also gained through searching. Wisdom gained through searching, sorry. Sorry brings blessing also if you do not accept or welcome his rebuke then i worry you will never ever receive his gift verses 13 to 20 again this is all part of the encouragement for us to welcome his wisdom says it's almost like an advert for wisdom you know it's it's like it comes on you, you know the adverts for x fact between x factor uh sections i don't even know what it's called anyway um you know, advertisements come on and there, is, there are these great appeals for you. you. Saying you need these things. You need to get your hands on these things. This kind of broadband or this kind of car and, and so on. Well, Pro, Proverbs 3, 13 to 20 almost acts like an advertisement for us. As if to say, if you've, if you've not even begun your search for wisdom, now is the time. This is what you need. Verse 13 says you've got to welcome wisdom because you'll be blessed by receiving it. And it says that blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. And then again, it repeats some of the things that we looked at last week in Proverbs chapter 2. The value of wisdom. It's like a treasure, it's more precious than anything you could ever imagine. You should desire this. Verse 15, more than anything else, because nothing can compare with this wisdom. Nothing compares. Friends, what are you desiring? What are the things that are in the quiet moments that you long for? What do you think, if I just have this, I think I'll be happy? Is God's wisdom in that list? Or does it tend to be clogged up with materialistic type things like my list? Because what the Father is encouraging us to do here is to long for and search for this Wisdom that is of great value, so that we might trust in the Lord and walk in His ways. Walking in the ways of those who are loved and delighted in by Almighty God Himself. We should welcome this wisdom that brings life. I love the picture of wisdom again in verse 16. Verse 16 tells us that wisdom's hands are full. It reminds me of my big brother at a Christmas time you know when my brother comes at Christmas time he's not just got one little gift I got you this you know it's not one of those things that you just get from boots you know it takes you 10 minutes to get it it's, he comes in with bags he's got bags it's, both of his hands are full of bags and he's ready to show you with gifts I love my brother <laughs> but this is a picture of wisdom it reminds you know it, it, when, when wisdom visits you you have, you have she has gifts in her hands long life riches and honor. She leads you down ways that are pleasant, paths that are that are full of peace. And then there's the tree of life. Wow. Well, that's a whole other sermon. The tree of life, of course, in Genesis. Adam and Eve, before they send free to eat from that tree, as much as they like, confirming for them their place in God's care. It almost affirmed the The moral quality of their lives. They had not sinned. Then what happened when they sinned? They were banished from the garden. Why? Well, they might eat from the tree of life. Where does the tree of life appear again? The end of the book of Revelation. Where we, who are part of the new heaven and new earth through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, are invited to come. And again, it's almost a confirmation of our the moral quality of our lives, the unblemished nature of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ that we eat and we enjoy. This is what this leads to. Wisdom, friends, I think, even as we look at wisdom in creation in verses 19 to 20, it can be nothing other than Jesus Christ. Wisdom can be nothing other than the eternal Son of God, whom the Apostle Paul calls the wisdom of God. Whom the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in other words, if you want to get to the God of wisdom, study the life of Jesus Christ, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, God's word tells us that as a boy he kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. When he began his first public public ministry, he taught with such perception and amazing authority that people asked, where did he get this wisdom? He confronted hypocritical teachers of the law and Pharisees with such crisp thinking that they could not answer him. He confused the finest theological minds of the day and their mouths were stopped before the very wisdom of Jesus Christ the son of God. God gave the world the most complete and comprehensive demonstration of his wisdom possible when he sent his son to earth. And we are to look to him. And welcome the wisdom that says fear the Lord and shun evil trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding so we are called to firstly trust in the Lord the first appeal of the Father the second appeal welcome his wisdom it comes from one who loves you and delights in you one who wants to show you how to live and in verses 21 to 35 we don't have time to deal with all of this but the encouragement for us is to see that when we trust in the lord and welcome his wisdom we will walk in the company of god we will know the blessing of his presence even in this life it's a phenomenal thing verse 21 tells us first of all 21 and 26 tells us he protects us along the way don't let wisdom and understanding out of your sight says the father preserve sound judgment and discretion we need this life is a gauntlet full of things like the fog the pilot, things that disorientate us. Sometimes even the actions of others cause us to be fearful. Sometimes we reel and roll not knowing which way to go. The promise in here is that he will walk by your side. The promise of God is I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is the one who walks with us and protects us. And not only does he prove his love for us in our safekeeping, he actually proves his love through us so that others will come to trust him also. We walk in his company. That's what verse 26 says. The Lord will be at your side. and will keep your foot from being snared. And then in verses 27 to 31 shows us that when we trust in the Lord and welcome his wisdom and walk in the company of God himself it will have ethical implications for us the practical application and outworking of this wisdom that he gives us and this presence that he honors us with is that we will not withhold good from others we'll be eager to be generous and will not be lazy in doing good verse 29 we will prove ourselves trustworthy verse 30 we will walk in truth Verse 31, we will not hanker after or envy the wicked. You see what he's forming? When he calls his people in wisdom to trust in him, he's cultivating and forming for himself a people that are distinct, who are taking on his characteristics. Remember the love and faithfulness so that we might display his glory and so that others may come to see him as they look to us. In closing, the choice is laid before us. Once again, in Proverbs, there are two ways to live. And verses 32 to 35 mark it out for us. What What does the Lord think of those who reject his ways, who reject his invitation to wisdom, who do not welcome it, but instead just trust in their own ways and lean on their own understanding? Well, it says the Lord will detest you. it says that the lord's curse that is the opposite of blessing will be on the house of those who are wicked it basically says that those in verse 34 that those who have made a mockery of god who have taken the life and breath that he by his common grace has given and use it for themselves rather than for his glory that he will not tolerate that and in the end That foolishness will result in shame. That is quite a picture of unbelief. It's quite a picture of leaning on your own understanding instead of God's. But what about those who trust in the Lord and welcome his wisdom and walk in his company? Well, he takes them into his confidence again, into his company. He blesses the home of the righteous. He shows favor to the humble and oppressed and those who are wise enough to follow him and walk in his ways will inherit honor. What will you choose? Today may be a day of decision for you, friend. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian. Choose wisely. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You see where it can take you trust in him and in him alone fear the lord turn your back on evil it promises you life but only delivers death he promises life let's bow our heads